Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAP support of you podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young. And Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that this podcast is not meant for diagnosing things on other people's eyes. It's meant for medical education. And that's or, weird. Or your own eyes. <laughs> like, don't, don't, yeah, it was just for like boredom. How did I screw that up again? No, it's okay. I, I, okay. We're, we're rolling with it. We're rolling. Uh, each week, we take a high topic and talk about the why and the how. This week, we are diving into strabismus fundamentals, a topic that uh, we've honestly tried to avoid for a while because I personally, at least, don't feel very comfortable with strab at all. We and did. We have dodged this for quite a bit of time, despite demand for it but here we are we've prepped for weeks to talk about strabismus also called squint yeah why is it called squint we uh, searched high and low for this yeah like the peel behind the veil we spent the past like 40 minutes trying to figure out why it's called squint no and we basically don't know still yeah there's uh, like loosely it's something to do with like the ancient greek origin is similar between Squint, squint and strabismos, which is my way of pronouncing the ancient Greek for strabismus. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if anyone knows like why squint, i.e., I don't know, I, maybe it's just American English where that means you're nearing your eyes, why well, that means the same thing as I. What's the definition of strabismus? Uh, I don't look the same way. Eyes go in different directions, right? That's it. Maybe. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I don't know how those end up being the same term. <laughs> so, briefly, in this episode, we're going to go over the terminology, classifications, and the anatomy one needs to know to understand the different entities within strabismus. Okay. All right. Let's hit Terms. Okay. I, there's, I feel like there's a lot of, like, uh, not to get back on this, but, like, Greek going on with strabismus. What what do these all these different prefixes and suffixes mean, Andrew? Basically, if all of these descriptive words for what a strabismus is looking like are conjugate words, where or compound words, we take a prefix and a suffix. All the prefixes describe the direction of the eye in particular, relate in relation to the other one. So the prefixes are iso, exo, hyper, hypo. And then there's intortion and extortion, which I know are not prefixes, but they kind of count with where, what direction the eyes are going in. The suffixes, really you have two options. You either have a phoria or a tropia. Ben, what's the difference between a phoria and a tropia? So a phoria is only present when fusional control is disrupted. So I, if you put a completely different picture between the two eyes, say with a Maddox rod test where the person will see only like a dot of the light or a line with the, um, with the Maddox rod. And we'll go into the tests that are used to uh, evaluate for strabismus in another episode. But uh, if you basically present a different picture between two eyes, disrupting fusion, then you'll see the phoria manifest itself. This is compared to atropia, which is can be present when fusion is not disrupted. So it can either be present all the time, so just a constant tropia, or it can be present intermittently. And that might be confusing with aphoria, which is also present intermittently. But aphoria is only present when fusion control is disrupted. And an intermittent tropia is present sometimes. For example, um, they can happen when someone is 
maybe tired or sick or daydreaming. They can have a tropia that's not just there, or sorry, deviation that's not just there because their fusion is broken. It's there, you know, maybe 10% of the time when they're like very tired or they drink a lot of alcohol or something like that. And euphoria, pretty much everybody does have euphoria. It's just that our brain is powerful enough to force euphoria to go away, force your say, eyes to look in the same place. Most people have euphoria. I usually, or like trying to find a chance to test this in like junior residents or whatever. To, uh, I mean, the primary purpose is to teach, but also to, to see, you know, who's got euphoria <laughs> or not. And, and not everyone has euphoria, I've discovered. Like, Wait, you know, who's I'll, the golden boy who doesn't have one? Um, I don't want to out anyone's private, you know, medical information, but it was <laughs> insert beep here. Uh, um, but yeah, like a four, four years are very, very common. Like, uh, Andrew, do you want to reveal your private medical information? Do you have a four? I, I don't actually know if I do or not because oh I'm on God. the other side. We, I, I can't we, tell. We've had weeks to prepare for this and you didn't. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll put it out there. I have a mild, a very weak exophoria. What does that mean though, Andrew? What's an exophoria? So an exo means that Ben, your eyes just don't like each other very much, your pupils in particular, and they want to point away from each other. Yeah, kind of like how Off X's, to the sides. How X's do. Like, I don't mm. know if you've ever seen like two people when they're sitting next to each other and you see them actively lean away from each other and you know that there's some bad blood right there. You know, I mean, they're X's. Exophoria. They turn away from each other. So what's the opposite of exophoria? Or, you know, an exodeviation? An ESO deviation. And that's when everybody thinks of your crossed eyes going inwards. That's an ESO. Or technically, the eye is pointed more medial. What about hyper and hypo? So a hyper deviation is when the eye is looking upwards relative to the other eye. So that's maybe I should clarify. All of these prefixes, they only have a meaning when compared in relation to the other eye. So the other eye, the fellow eye, you could have an ESO eye that's pointing medially, and the fellow eye could be pointing straight ahead. But relative to the fellow eye that is pointing straight ahead, the ESO eye is more inwards. Right. And, and hopefully, so, I, and I know that there's sometimes, you know, your first reading about this, some people feel like one eye might have like a mild ESO deviation, the other one will have like a significant ESO deviation. But really, the deviation is the is between the two eyes like one eye can't have like a mild the other one can have like a severe or something it's right. whatever deviation is between the two and then there's always a thing between hyper deviations and hypo deviations like if one eye is pointing up and the other eye is relatively pointing down then let's say for example your right eye is looking up and your left eye is relatively looking down do you call that a right hyper deviation or a left hypo deviation it could be either, honestly, right? Yeah, and both are right. By convention, most people will just refer to the hyper. Right. But there's nothing technically wrong about referring to the hypo. But just by convention, at least um, from our experience in the United States, we say that we refer to the hyper when there's a vertical deviation. I've long suspected that that is just because of the abbreviations and how they can't make two... Um, the ESO and EXO abbreviation cheats because EXO is just labeled as an X, the letter X, whereas ESO gets the E. But between hyper and hypo, you can't really just cheat into that different letter entirely. They're both H, so. Yeah, then that's an amazing segue into abbreviations. You are welcome. <laughs> yeah. So 
so you know you can so the, the formal full way to say any of these is like you know esophoria or esotropia but to quickly uh denote that in your charting uh, the letter e refers to eso something so esotropy esophoria we'll talk about how to denote between tropia and in a bit and then the letter x is an exo whatever tropia euphoria and then h is hyper and if you really want to denote a hypo, the convention is just writing out capital H, then under the lowercase, lowercase. YPO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, write out hypo if it's right. going to be hypo. But just an H, by convention, it refers to a hyper. And then how do you do the suffix? That's a prefix. So, E and X and then capital H. What about the suffix? Tropia versus Foria. If it's always there, and if, if it's always there, then it's a tropia, and then... That means it's given a T. You'd imagine that if it wasn't for four years, you'd put a P, but no, nothing's put. So if it's just E, then it's an esophoria. But if it's an ET, then it's an esotropia. And if there's parentheses around the T, then it's an intermittent tropia. So it's manifestly there some of the time, but not all the time. And lastly, if you put a like prime symbol or an apostrophe, like the you know the little dash, not dash, dash, apostrophe, it's an apostrophe then that means that that is the deviation measured at near. So without oh, the, yeah. the apostrophe, it's distance. So that's a default. But if you put apostrophe, that means it's measured at near. So, Andrew, if I had an E parentheses T with an, uh, of 18, what does that mean? It is an intermittent isotropia that corrects with 18 prism diopters placed in front of one or the other eye. Great. So that's, a e, so that's, what, so that's what that means. Compared to an Aldi one, if someone had an X of like 10, that means they have an exophoria of 10 at distance. And she said an, if they someone wrote X uh, apostrophe of 10, that means they have an exophoria of 10 at near. And that's that's like that's it for the terminology. Uh, hopefully that will help you interpret any uh, strabismogram that you see in your charts or notes or whatever. So maybe we should talk about classifications. So we talk right. about terminology. So that's how you can interpret what a strabismus is. Oh, and side note, what's a prism diopter? Oh, man, I did this already in the optics cast, didn't I? Oh, you did. No, did you I? Did, Actually, no, we, we, haven't re- we haven't released that because I'm still slogging through the disaster of that recording session. Oh, we, we can redo that one, too. Um, but just imp- I, I, I can say it if you want. Yes, thank you. Okay, cool. But so a, to answer my own question, a prism diopter. <laughs> do it. Do it. Okay, <laughs> that's I, right. I, that's what you deserve. <laughs> fine. I, I pr- so a prism diopter is so okay. So we all know what a prism is. If, if something is one An prism diopter, to the common man. Shut yes. up. Well, <laughs> a, 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 if you if you have a one prism diopter prism, then and you shine a light ray through it then that light ray will deviate one centimeter in whatever direction a hundred at a hundred centimeters away. So if you have something that's 10 prism diopter prism, then at a hundred centimeters away, a light ray will deviate 10 centimeters. That's all that means. Yeah, this is the, uh, so the- it doesn't mean degrees. Like that's, that's kind of the takeaway. Like it kind of gets close at certain ranges, but like a 45 prism diopter, Prism is not a 45 degree deviation, in case yeah. that was confusing for anyone. Okay. All okay. right. Classifications. classifications. Right. Okay. Three categories of classifications we can talk about easily. The onset, it could either be infantile or acquired. 
What's the cutoff between judging whether something is infantile or you got it later in life, Ben? Six months. So if it's you got before six months infantile, later acquired. Fixation. Fixation. Yeah. What are the two subcategories of fixation? So there's alternating or monocular. And what does that mean? Like, uh, if it means like one of my eyes is fixating only or they're both kind of tag teaming it? It, yeah, it means which eye is fixing in primary gaze. If you're, you know, um, if you have an X, XT, which your view is an exotropia, but when you're looking at someone, it's always your right eye is fixing and your left eye is deviating. That means you have an LXT. So that's like the last bit of, uh, we lied before. There's one more thing that can go in the abbreviation. So an LXT would be where like you look, when you're looking at someone, your left eye is always the one that's deviating exotropically, like deviating it away. Versus so let's alt- take your uh, exophoria, for example, then, right? Your okay. Yeah. Right exophoria. Yeah, make it, make it uh, personal. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Let's do something to you to disrupt your fusional drive, either knock you over the head, make you listen to me, tell bedtime stories for two hours. And then you notice Ben Young's eyes start to drift apart laterally. Yeah, but I do have full stereo acuity for anyone who might be trying to hire me. So mm, continue. Right, sure. continue. So <laughs> you try talking to Ben Young, and he kind of sleepily fixates on you with his right eye. But the left eye still off looking over somewhere in dreamland. That would be a monocular fixation of your right eye, which is the one I'm looking at. Yeah. Not but. Another version of Sleepy Ben, maybe his right eye is looking at you sometimes, but then other times it's his left eye that's looking at you, and then the right eye gets its turn to kind of drift off to the bushes or something. Um, And then it keeps changing. So this is actually the spookier Ben Young to talk to because uh, you don't know whether to look at his left eye or his right eye because it keeps changing. That's alternating fixation, right? Hey, I'm inserting an editor's note here. The example he just gave is actually more for an alternating intermittent exotropia, not exophoria. Remember, an uh, exophoria is only present when fusional control is disrupted, but an exotropia can intermittently occur when someone is tired or daydreaming, like he gave in his example. Just wanted to make that small clarification. Otherwise, his example of alternating is very correct. We didn't catch this during the recording. Okay, coming back to the original recording. All right, so that'd cool. be like an A. So like if I had a like a you know like if I had an uh, exotropia, then that would be an AXT alternating exotropia. So you know it could be an RXT, LXT, or AXT. Those are the different flavors. So that, okay, now you know all about interpreting the strabismogram. Strabismogram, right? Yeah. Patent pending. Yeah. What is the last classification of strabismus type? So we talk about onset fixation and. Mm-hmm. Now we have variation and deviations between uh, between competent it, or incompetent. I guess maybe just yeah, we'll skip straight to the two things it could be. Yeah. You're either you either got a competent deviation or an incompetent deviation, and a competent one is what you'd expect. Say you've got like a cranial nerve six palsy or something. Eh, actually, no, forget no, it. A- Let's just say Ben Young is exophoric. He's eighteen 
prism diopters exophoric, and that's how exophoric he is, no matter which direction he's looking. It's not eighteen, by the way, but I, I don't want people <laughs> to think I'm. That's that, that's quite Sorry. a bit. Sorry. All right, we, we'll stop using you. Um, it's Amanda like Redfern, <laughs> who's not. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus, like court of law, you should have the opportunity to represent oneself. And, yeah. Right. So imaginary people. Uh-huh. And if a patient had a five prism diopter exotropia, let's say it's always there because that's easier to visualize, and they look up, it's still going to be five diopters. They look down, still five prism diopters. Left, still five prism diopters, same to the right. That's competent. Yeah. There's also incompetent strabismus where the size of the deviation, that is how many prism diopters, what strength does it take to get them to correct, that size keeps changing depending which gaze position they're looking in. Or it changes with which eye is fixating. That usually comes up when there's one of the innervations that's knocked out. So uh, now I'll bring up like if you have like a six cranial nerve palsy and you're looking off to the left, and let's say that it's your the cranial nerve palsy is the right cranial nerve palsy. You look to the left, you can do that uh, just fine. But then you look to the right and then your right eye cannot abduct out. And then you have a totally different pattern or a totally different amount of deviation on that side compared to the other. That's incompetent strabismus. You know, another way to think about it is it happens when you have something that's paralytic or restrictive cause of strabismus. There's like non-paralytic strabismus, which is the most, by far the more common type where your eyes are just sitting in your head, aligned and not perfectly straight which is totally fine and acceptable, my fellow <laughs> strabismus people out there. But there's the kind of the more pathologic variant where um, where something is causing, you know, whether it's a cranial nerve palsy, like you mentioned, or something like scar tissue or thyroid eye disease, which mm-hmm. prevents a particular muscles from not moving. And as you'd expect, when particular specific muscles aren't moving, well, then the um, deviation between the eyes, as Andrew said, will will be greater in certain cases. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, primary and secondary deviation. So this is going along with incompetence. Uh, Andrew, what's a primary deviation? So this relates, again, to mostly the types of strabismus where there is a paralytic or a restrictive problem. So the difference then depends on which eye is the fixating eye, assuming that only one of them is limited in a restrictive way. So primary deviation is when the eye that's got nothing wrong with it is the fixating eye. Sorry about the watch. Okay, I was like, what is in my... I, I don't have the money to have a device that would make that sound. Okay, continue, sir. That's where it helps to have a sugar mama. Oh. Whose name is Jasmine and who I love very much, and she's not just a sugar mama. Dude, don't worry about that. She doesn't listen to this. She doesn't listen to this podcast. Don't she worry. totally does. Does she? She's amazing. Oh wow. Anyway, oh my god, Faye let's, doesn't let's take her mind. out of let's take her out of this completely. Oh no no no, that's all staying. No. So so primary is when the normal eye fixates, and then secondary deviation then is when the not normal eye fixates or yeah. the paralyzed eye. Right. And then which in which one? Is usually worse. Yeah, which one's usually worse? The primary, second. Which one has a greater deviation in primary or secondary? In the case of a restrictive thing, it's usually the secondary deviation that's worse because 
let's bring up Herring's law of equal innervation again. Whatever one eye is trying to do, the other eye is going to send the same amount of nerve signal to do the same thing, or like to look in that direction anyway. Now imagine that your paralyzed eye, for whatever reason, it doesn't want to look a certain direction, but you're really sending like a ton of neural signal to make it do that. Uh, so finally it gets there. At the same time, because of Herring's law, you're sending that same amount, that ton of neural signal to the other eye. So it's going to wig out because there's nothing wrong with it. It will just overcompensate and swing way over further than it should. So this, and at that point, it's basically as if you've caused extra strabismus because the eyes are deviating even more from each other. The paralytic eye, it's doing what it needs to. The non-restricted eye is overcompensating thanks to Herring's law. Yeah. Yeah, not it doesn't it's not necessarily doing what it needs to. Like I might not get all the way out, but mm, your yeah. brain is sending is like maxing out, you know, it's flooring it in that eye. And that so you know, flooring it might only get it out like twenty percent. But then it's still flooring it in the other eye to get it out in, you know, left or right gaze or whatever it is. And that's all we have for this week. Uh, we actually have a lot more to talk about with strabismus, but the episode was getting uh, way too long for one episode. So look for the next episode where we talk about muscles, nerves, blood supply, and a bunch of the different little things we have to memorize um, for the OCAPs in next week's episode. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us at Eyes4Ears with the number four on Twitter. Um, and if you'd like to support the podcast, it really helps us if you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. Thanks for your time. Hope everyone had is having a very happy holiday season, and we will see you next time. What was it again? E dash T. Right. So, okay. Hey, hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. If you <laughs> I, had, this is why I hate Strab. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you had so. To, to review these abbreviations, if you had an E, a uh, parentheses T of 18, what does that mean? That means it's an isotropia at near. So I measured. Oh, uh, no, I didn't say near. apostrophe. I, oh, didn't? I put a pause. Yeah, I put a ah. dramatic pause <laughs> okay, and bye. did not say apostrophe. Bye, bye. <laughs> um, beep. This is editor. Beep. Okay. That's I'm, an keep, ESO- I'm keeping it all. I don't. I don't know what you're doing. But we're, Are you? I'm, no. I'm keeping it. So <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> um, listeners, we're so very sorry. E parentheses. Right. Fine. E parentheses. Wait. There's a parentheses now. Oh, yeah. Just e. A I've been, okay. There's been a parentheses since, okay. since the beginning of time. <laughs>